Hey, it's Mike, and this is Intergalactic, the podcast about the greatest sci-fi movies and TV of all time. Today, Mariah Gossett from Star Trek Discovery Pod is back. What's up, Mariah? Howdy. Not too much. Glad to be back. Glad to have you. So Mariah is here for another ep in our series called Essential Sci-Fi Movies. And the essential movie we're covering this week is 2022's Predator prequel, Prey. Yeah. That's a lot of peas. That's a, a lot, lot of peas in a row. <laughs> a lot of peas. <laughs> Predator prequel, Prey. That's a good like warm-up exercise. <laughs> yeah. I should have done that before I started uh, talking on the mic. Um <laughs> So Prey, directed by Dan Trachtenberg, written by Patrick Eisen, with a story by Eisen and Trachtenberg. Uh, the movie premiered as a streaming first release on Hulu in August 2022. Stars Amber Midthunder as Naru, a young Comanche warrior who protects her tribe against a predator in the year 1719. Dakota Beavers as Tabe, Naru's brother and a skilled hunter. Michelle Thrush as Aruka, Naru and Tabe's mother. Coco, my favorite, as Sari, Naru's dog. And of course, as the predator himself, Dane DeLigro. Mariah, this movie fucking rips for a number of reasons. I, I love this movie. So good. Before I dive into, into my thoughts, uh, what do you think about Prey? I was so enthralled from the minute the preview for this movie popped up and then I realized it was a Predator movie and I was very intrigued of how they were going to approach it and boy howdy was I not disappointed. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you was did you watch it in English or the Comanche dub? I've only seen it in English. I've seen it about four times but I've never done the dub yet. So the first time I watched it was in the Comanche dub and I recommend that to everyone who hasn't seen it before because I think it really envelops you into the world building in such a more complete way. Um, so on this rewatch, I put it on in uh, English for for this um, podcast just because I hadn't watched the one in English. And it's, I mean, it still slaps, but 100%. If you can uh, deal with subtitles, the version that's dubbed in Comanche is like pretty outstanding. And this is the first movie, I think, that was fully dubbed in the Comanche language. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think com commercially produced. Uh, I think there's other yeah. services, but yeah, first commercially produced, yeah. Right. Um, in terms of the... Well, tell me more about why you like this movie and how you feel it fits in the in the Predator franchise. Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, movies that have, like, women kicking ass are always going to be really hard for me to not enjoy on a base level because it's just something I like watching. I think Same. it helps break a lot of these franchises, break some of their molds. Um, I thought Amber Mid-Thunder was super compelling as Naru. And um, I think this movie, the other thing is, like, it's compelling story. It's a very visual storytelling, which I, I yeah. think helps it a lot. The fight sequences are great. And it's under two hours. So, like, you're hitting all the bases for me. <laughs> yeah, this is... Well, before I dive into what I think more, you said you got ex even more excited when you learned it was a Predator movie. Because when I first saw the 
trailer for this, it felt like the IP extension was kind of stealthy, right? They didn't put it out there up front. Mm -hmm. And I know researching the movie, that was the original marketing plan. They were not going to market it as a Predator movie. And uh, that was supposed to be a reveal in the movie, which would have been cool. But of course, you know, marketers were like, nope, we got to put the IP up front. So they did that. But when you realize this was a Predator movie, it got you more excited for it. So I guess you're a fan of the franchise. You know, I think I'm a light fan of the Predator franchise. I think I'm a bigger fan of Alien. And so I got introduced to Predator with Alien versus Predator movies. And so, um, you know, I find the Predator franchise to be fun action movies. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think I've only really seen maybe the first and second one. And then one of the the verses, I can never, there's been a lot. (laughs) I can never quite keep track of them all. Um, uh, throughout my like adolescence and, and college years. But I think to me, what I got excited about is I enjoy when sci-fi takes different avenues to tell a similar story. So to me, this was intriguing because it's not, this is the future. It's not, this is current day. And we're being, you know, presented with this. It is, we're going back to 17, whatever, whatever, and it automatically changes the stakes of for these main characters that we're following. And it gives me, I think to me, it excites me more because then it isn't just going to be, oh, how can we outgun this predator? It's how can we outsmart, which to me, I think is much more compelling to watch on screen, um, is more fun. The fight sequences are usually a little bit more interesting that way because you have to think outside of just how many guns can we put in this scene? Uh, which is something that I really enjoyed in this movie in particular is you are really watching a battle of wits more than just a battle of brawn. It's true. It's very true. And I think this is a great way to use the Predator franchise because it's kind of a Trojan horse movie, right? It's really a character study based in a specific culture in a specific place, Mm -hmm. in a specific time in history. And it's just a snapshot of all those things. I think that is such a clever way to use this IP to really just tell us specific stories about specific times and cultures. Mm -hmm. I know there's been rumblings about a sequel to this, and I wouldn't say no if you give me another movie with with Amber uh, Midthunder. Um, but I almost want it to be be a different time period with a different culture that isn't often represented on screen in big box office cinema, mm-hmm. like a spiritual sequel to this movie, not a direct sequel, you know? Yeah, I, I think, too, it's like we so often don't get to see it's like how many period pieces have we watched where it's like fancy royal people doing European yeah people doing anything right like we have we've explored so much of that history and so much of that costumes and culture and ways to play in those spaces there have been sci-fi movies that take place in those times and um you know i think that's how we get steampunk right is this like Mm. kind of development out of some of those stories and and pieces of media but then from prey it's like you see you know at the end they kind of have they set up like oh ships come back you know and you see um, these uh, illustrations of like indigenous people facing these three ships coming from the sky. Um, and to your point, I'm like, oh, an interesting spiritual sequel to me would be like, oh, could we go to like 
Mesoamerica? Could we go into like Central and like like Mexico and, and Latin America and see what mm-hmm. those pre-colonial societies would also do to tackle something like this, where we have, I think, a little bit more like historical lore about these really large and sophisticated societies in in some mm, of these spaces, yeah. right? And so it'd be interesting to see like, oh, you know, they've set up this particular Comanche tribe as being fairly nomadic, but like, what about one that's like a very established indigenous city going up against a predator? To me, that would be a really interesting sequel to this. <laughs> that would be great. You're speaking my language because uh, the heart would be there. The heart would be similar to this movie or the intention, but it would be a completely different twist on on story yeah that'd be great um overall this is my favorite predator movie i think it's easily the best one even better than the original i i love the original one but this one's better i i've seen it yeah oh i was like and they did some fun nods i thought to the original like the the mud scene yeah like when he, when the predator gets sucked down into the mud, I was like, what a fun way to kind of t- tip your hat, you know, to some of the original moments from the predator films and like some of that iconography we associate with this particular um, big bad, right? But yeah, to your point, I think it's like I have gone back and watched this one multiple times and maybe the first predator movie, I cannot say that about most of the other ones. Yeah, yeah, same. I've seen this one and the original a number of times. This one is the only movie in the franchise that hues closely to most everything that worked in the original while elevating the entire franchise. Agreed. With the it, the performances, the emotion of the movie, the tension, all of it is just heightened. This movie just elevates Predator to a new level. And it really needed... It really needed that. The franchise really needed that after the disaster that was that previous 2018 Predator movie mm-hmm. from Shane Black. I don't think a lot of people saw that one, which was – it's fine. I don't think it's I kind did. Of, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a terrible mess. Keegan-Michael Key's in it. It has a cool cast, but yeah. it was just not not great. That 2018 movie was IP exploitation gone wrong. This one is IP extension done really well. Like one of the great – things about Prey is that obviously the cast is dominated by Native American and First Nation actors. Like, mm-hmm. And they're great. Like, Mid-Thunder is just magnetic and unique as a central hero. And she emotes brilliantly with her eyes. A lot of her scenes are with no dialogue. Mm-hmm. And she's just so charismatic. I think her character and performance is so relatable and grounded Obviously, because she's great, but also the motor behind the character's journey is that theme of – it's a universal theme of people should follow their calling regardless of what the tradition may dictate, right? She's she's following her calling, and it happens to be a non-traditional one in her community, but it's not told in a in a cloying fashion. It's just like this is who this person is, and this is what her journey looks like. Yeah, and I love that, like, I thought the character of her brother, played by um, Dakota, did an incredible uh, Dakota Beavers. I was, uh, yeah. I I really enjoyed the their sibling relationship on screen as well, because I thought they did mm-hmm. a good job of that. Like, I am the older brother, and I should know better than you, but I see your potential. 
but I'm also trying to be protective. And I thought they did a good job of wandering that line of like protective, but not doubting her skill set, which I appreciated. Um, and how he's trying to, I think, shift that perspective with like his other friends and the other like hunters that he goes out with and being like, no, you know, like she's a really good tracker. You should let her come along and she knows medicine. So like, come on guys, let's just bring her along for this thing. Um, you know, and then in the end, it's really that, that battle with the two of them at the fur trappers camp, I thought was such a wonderfully shot and choreographed fight scene. And it also helped really build that emotional tension so that when her brother is, you know, inevitably taken out by the predator, you feel for both of them so much emotionally, but then it's like such that, that quick turn and she's gone because she knows like he's made this sacrifice and I can't waste it. Um, and I thought it was just such a great, like to your point, there's not a lot of dialogue in this movie, especially once we're out in the woods and really having these interactions with the predator. And I thought they did some really smart things visually. One of my favorite scenes is when uh, she escapes the camp and is running through that big field and finds another member of her party and they're sitting there and then you're seeing them both moving through the tall grass mm-hmm. and like you see him the predator catching up with their little dots in the grass and you're like oh my gosh because what a fun way to play with the the invisibility capabilities of predator and finding ways to show off that kind of foot race in such a visual way the the visuals are incredibly compelling in this movie and they kind of have to be because a lot of it is dialogueless mm-hmm. and i think dan trachtenberg is a really great visual storyteller because none of this feels um it doesn't feel like a lot of trick shots it doesn't feel like um you're really commenting on the cinematography Really what's happening is the camera is telling the story um, and it's efficient, it's tight, uh, and it's very tense and super compelling. And he did the same thing in – this is his second movie. He did the same thing in his previous movie, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is a really tight, constricting, tense movie. Uh, but it's really efficient and just just really well told. I I love that the, they're giving this guy – franchise ip because yeah. uh, like give him a star wars you know uh just just keep throwing franchise ip at this guy if this is what he's going to do with it just just do story and character first you know yeah and that's what we get here i think that and i'm sorry if you can hear my cat meowing he's having a lot of anxiety today and is being very annoying but <laughs> oh, poor kitty he will be fine <laughs> Don't worry, this podcast is full of cat cameos, so it's just another right. one. It's all good. <laughs> another Finn is a meowman in the background. But mm-hmm. I think the other thing I think about a lot with this movie is even if you took out the fact that this is a predator movie and if you subbed in an any kind of alien being with similar capabilities, I think it's still a really good movie. And to me, mm-hmm. that is what's smart about the use of the IP here is like you're not dependent upon the lore for you to understand yeah. the movie, for you to follow and care about these characters. It's like I'm in, I think if I was to introduce someone to the Predator franchise, I would show them this movie first and be like, don't worry about going in theatrical release order like this to yeah. me should be the first introduction you have to this um 
big bad because I think it also to me proves the point that humans can be the most dangerous prey for this particular predator, right? Like it doesn't have to be this very one-sided battle. And I think it gives so much more interest than just watching something that's a straight up killing machine. It is more about like, oh, how can you actually outwit this particular creature rather than just outbrawn it, like I said before. Um, And I loved how she you know, there's that moment when her brother and her are tied to the tree and and he's like, you notice the things that the rest of us don't notice. And she's like, oh yeah, like I'm going to tell you this story about the beaver. And he's like, what are you going to do? And she's like, I'm not cutting off my hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. than a beaver. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that what was a so great good. way to introduce a little bit of humor, you know, into, into this really tense situation too. Yeah. And for me, the the heart of the movie is that sequence where, she and the brother are tied to the tree. They eventually get loose through her cleverness. And and then they, you know, he has to battle the predator in that moment. And, and he passes away. And then, like you said, she does what she has to do because she doesn't want to waste his sacrifice. And then we get the climax, which somewhat visually and beat-wise does hew to some of the best moments of the climax in the original movie. But again, even if you don't know that, it's still great and it's still yep. compelling. Like this is a tight, efficient movie that puts character and story first, but it doesn't skimp on the brutal action sci-fi horror that oh, yeah. the franchise is known for at all. That whole sequence through the like burnt out woods where he is taking out all of those Canadian fur tra- uh, trappers is like <laughs> – right such a funny illustration of folks who are like we have superior weapons and we think we are superior beings so we must be able to take out this thing but they yeah. haven't they haven't observed they haven't watched they haven't made any connection to what this what their actual prey is in this instance which i think is really smart storytelling of you know naru has been watching this thing kill tons of things and has seen what has been going on but has also seen the horrors that these fur trappers are capable of um and so it was like it, it felt very like like a weird victory you're like oh the predator is on the right side of history <laughs> like let's take out these these colonizers like <laughs> let's get them out of here <laughs> but um they just proved to be not as smart <laughs> Yeah, it's so true. And there's a there's a great subtext throughout this entire movie uh about colonialism, right? And about nature versus technology. You know, um Naru is able to outwit the trappers, outwit the predator because they're on her turf, because she is part of this land. She knows what all the flowers do. She knows how to trek. She knows uh, everything about the land. So she doesn't need any advanced weaponry or big guns in order to survive. And, you know, there's there's definitely like predator-style horror and gross elements in this movie, which are awesome. But for me, one of the images that maybe the image that is the most horrific in this movie is the field of skinned and slaughtered buffalo Yes. Um, that is not done by the predator. It's done by the fur trappers. And the point is that these fucking colonizers are are stealing and ruining the wealth of the land that these people depend on. So 
you know, they're just as bad as this fucking space monster that's coming in trying to kill everybody. Yeah. And I think it's such a even at the very end, she walks up with the head and, you know, I think everyone's like, oh, the danger's finally gone. And she's like, no, danger is still out. We need to get to to better protective grounds. And, um, you know, I think it's such a um, a smart way to end and be like, oh, yeah, no, I, I, I wasn't worried about this guy. I knew I could take this guy out. But these other goons, like <laughs> we have some more things to worry about. Um like they are actually cruel beings, you know, because I think she saw that moment of when she was in the trap and went, oh, he doesn't hunt like he's not just looking to to kill for the sake of killing. He is hunting and he's looking for something that uh, needs to be hunted, not just a sitting being. Um, it's slowly trying to because that's the whole premise for the for the predator in this instance is like it's slowly working its way up to figure out what is the most advanced being on this planet, mm. right? And so obviously it didn't just go and skin a bunch of buffalo because buffalo are not a, a being yeah. that he's worried about. And and you get that story of his search for uh, someone who can match match his hunter abilities, right? So yeah. you get that story where he's looking at the rabbit and he sees a snake, eat the try to eat the rabbit, and then there's a... I think uh, the wolf mm-hmm. attacks a snake, and then uh, eventually there's that sequence with the bear that is just unforgettable. Oh my god! As well, it's just it's such a horror show, and uh, the whole time, the whole the entire movie, I'm just worried. I'm worried about Mid Thunder, obviously, mm-hmm. but I'm so worried about this poor dog. <laughs> the dog. I'm so glad. I feel like sometimes it's like you watch these movies and inevitably like the dog becomes a sacrifice. And I'm really glad they didn't yeah. kill a dog in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I thought the their connection, that was such a great like little companion duo, the two of them on screen anytime they were together. And I love that she uses all of the same signals with her fellow hunters as she uses with the dog. Like when she's crouched in the grass, they're all using like the same like words and signals for each other to to communicate of what they need to do next. And I thought they were a really fun pair to to watch together. But yeah, that bear sequence was intense. And then the other one that got me, and I kind of forgot about it until I rewatched it last night. And it was um, uh, when the predator is kind of giving all of his uh, you know, opened up the full bag of tricks on these fur hunters. And there's that net that he, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Someone, and it just becomes little bags of flesh everywhere. And you're like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, the the crossings of the net just, I don't know, become irradiated or something. And they just, they just burn bleed through through the person's body. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. And it's hilarious because they, their idea of catching this guy, oh, we just need a net. And they throw a net on the predator. <laughs> and the predator's and like, like, no, Let no. Let me show you a net. <laughs> yeah. You want a net? That's a net. Yeah. That's fucking great. Um, this character, the writers conceived Naru as uh, a hero who has to punch up. All she has at her disposal are her wits and the land and her skills. She doesn't have, like we said before, she doesn't have the really the brawn. She doesn't have uh, the, the gear or technology. And that's a big part of what makes this so compelling. I feel like this movie is somewhat of an inversion of the original. Because in the original, you have Arnold, who is just, at the time, the alpha male of all alpha mm-hmm. males in cinema. And 
you know, each arm is loaded with guns that are bigger than his body the whole time. Even when he loses his guns, he still has, like, explosives. Mm -hmm. So it's the alpha male who, throughout all the movie, he becomes the prey. Most of the time, 90% of the movie is him trying to run away from and hide from the predator. Mm -hmm. It was a subversion of, of the alpha male. Like, oh, who is the alpha male afraid of? A monster from outer space. Here... We have a teenage girl who, you know, modern audiences will think not exactly super strong, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's an inversion of the original. It's this teenage girl who we don't see as as muscular or as extremely capable in this violent situation who actually becomes the predator at the end of the movie. And even throughout the movie, because she's watching and learning and tracking, you don't see a lot of her... Um, hiding and running away. But even when she is, it's part of a strategy to learn uh, for everything she does at the end when she finally overcomes this this monster and kills it. So it's a really cool inversion of the original while also showing love to the original. There's lines from the original that are in this movie. There's shots and sequences that look similar. Lots of callbacks, not in a annoying fan service kind of way, but in a way that elevates the movie and elevates the franchise. And this is how you do IP extension, man. Tell a new story and a new setting and a new way, invert what came before, but also pay homage to it. And that's that's just the right stew. I mean, new this is great for new new fans, mm-hmm. people who haven't seen a Predator movie. This is great for people who don't really like um action sci-fi movies too, because there's such an emotional story at the center. And it's great for Predator fans who want to see the monster tearing shit up. And you get all that here. You get all that. A hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's such a smart way to do it because I think when you get into like it can be really intimidating to jump into something that has so many movies. If Mm -hmm. you didn't grow up watching, you know, from the beginning, it can feel like, why do I want to jump into this thing? Like now I have to learn all of this stuff. And what does any of this mean? You know, and this was such a beautiful way uh, uh, to reintroduce this character, I think, to a lot of brand new audiences, because I have a lot of friends who watch this movie who have never seen a Predator movie in their life. And so they're just like, oh, I just watched this cool like alien movie that takes place like, you know, in like the 1700s. And it was really interesting. And I was like, oh, it's a Predator movie. And they're like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) Like, (laughs) um, Yeah, it almost it almost feels like one of these low to mid tier budget, you know, movies that you happen across on a on a random streaming service and you're like, yeah. "Oh, this has no stars in it, but it's really well done." Yeah, or if like, you know, I have a lot of friends who liked like Cloverfield and so it's like, "Oh, if you're already into like Dan Trachtenberg movies, you might be like, "Oh, I'll check this out. Like this looks cool." Um and it it is like I I remember when I watched it and I think there was a lot of this reaction too critically when it first came out of like I really wish this had gotten a theatrical release because I think watching this in a theater with a bunch of people would have been so fun because all like to your point, a lot of these kills are really fun to see if you're a Predator fan, especially. But then like you are rooting. I was like, I could imagine the theater erupting when you hear that dog coming from around the corner at that last fight sequence. And you're like, yeah, like. Get him, dude. <laughs> um, oh, when she when he hands her the axe. Yeah. Like so cool. Yeah. And all that set up at the beginning of the movie. You you see everything this dog can do and how she's trained him, and all that pays off at the end when he's kind of helping her out. So cool. 
So cool. Yeah, such a crowd pleasing moment. This movie is a crowd pleaser. It it would it should have been in a theater. Yeah. It should have been in a theater. I'm like, if they ever do a run and they stick this in a theater, I would go oh, see yeah. this in a theater setting. I know they showed this at Comic-Con. This would have been yeah. a really fun yeah. movie to have seen at Comic-Con. Yeah, I am I was a little torn on the fact that it is just a straight-to-streaming movie. Trachtenberg says he thought it was going to be a theatrical release. Everyone did. Um, I didn't research exactly why this was thrown to streaming. I'm sure some the pandemic had something to do with it and all that but yeah I, w- I w- this was made for the big screen even the non-action scenes are beautiful and expansive mm-hmm. these shots of the great plains are just meant to be on a big screen yeah um it yeah it kind of sucks um i do kind of also like what it did for streaming movies because yeah. before this you're like oh streaming first movies they're you know little low budget things but this is a big giant cinematic experience that was streaming first so now we we do get a lot of big giant cinematic type movies that go to streaming really quickly after this yeah and i think um and i wonder if this was like a, a lot of the same um maybe the same executive bought a few things in a row and the, whoever this was was very smart cuz i think it's a couple of 20th century movies that have come out lately it's this one and then there's the um one with Caitlin Denvers. It's another sci-fi movie where she um, there's like two lines of dialogue in the whole movie. It's an alien invasion. Yes, yes, yeah, I did see um, that. Uh, that was really good. Yeah, it's got like a generic. It's like no one will save you. Something. It's got yes. like a generic. I think that's what it that. is. Yeah. Um, that was one that was straight to Hulu, and then that new Jake Johnson movie that just came out. Um, mm, yeah. Uh, is is really good. Yeah. Self reliance. Yeah, and that's also got some kind of fun. Heady, I, I don't know if I'd say sci-fi-ish, but it's got some fun, very fantastical elements to it. Um, mm. and and uh and and so I've been kind of impressed with the run of straight to streamer stuff that's come out of 20th century and Hulu. Yeah, yeah, there is a lot of good stuff going to streaming first now. Um and you know, part of my lazy ass is like, oh, this is great. Just sit in my fucking couch and watch all this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to go anywhere. But when I see something like this, I'm like, you know what? I would I would hike it to the theater cuz mm-hmm. cuz this is just great. And yeah, seeing this with with a crowd would have been such an experience. Just me and my spouse in our living room or like you know, high-fiving and like, yeah, fuck, you know, mm-hmm. like we're having a great time watching this. I've seen it four times. I'll definitely watch it again. This is a very rewatchable movie. Totally. It it could have easily just been a predator 1980s retread with just a monster about characters who don't have any depth getting killed off one by one by one by one, just like we've seen a number of alien retreads over the years that don't have any soul to them. But this is this is thankfully not that, and it, it's it's an essential movie. It's it's part of totally. uh, one of the one of the biggest sci-fi action franchises out there, and. What, 30, almost 40 years after the original came out, this one comes out, and it's the best one. You don't hear that a lot. So yeah. it's it's it's, spe- it's a special movie. It's a classic. And uh, I think I like it, Mariah. I think I like yeah. it. Yeah. 10 out of 10. I agree. I'll, I'll yeah. agree on all points. Yeah. I, I think this is a great watch. I think if you're having friends over, you want to do a friends movie night, this is a great option. I would really recommend it. And and I'll just mention again, I think if you can, if you're someone who can do subtitles, um, mm. which I think everyone should, because there's so much good cinema that is subtitled, 
I, I think it's so important to support movies doing things like this. If you are going to tell stories about indigenous communities, like have it in the indigenous language, help save these languages. And the entire cast, re they all learned yep. and did the Comanche dub. So you're still hearing all the same actors. It's not different actors coming in to do it, which I think is so cool. Um, and it really like, if you want to feel like you are in 1719, like turn on those dubs and just like become fully immersed. Cause that was yeah. the only kind of critique. I remember I talked with a friend of mine um, who, who really enjoyed the movie, but she did met, she was like, Oh, I thought some of the actors sounded too modern is it was mm. her only kind of critique. And so I said, Oh, you should go back and watch it in the dub because I think that will help you feel more immersed in this world and not like, Oh, why are these people speaking in English? You know? I need to. I need to do that. It, it'll be a whole new experience. Totally. I, I do love that some of the cast members. I think even Arnold and Jesse the Body Ventura of the original, like love this movie. They're like, this is the best one since we've done it. Like this is everybody watch this. It's it's awesome. So, yeah, it's just undeniable how good this is. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it again in the Comanche, yeah. and there were. Um, Comanche people behind uh, the camera mm -hmm. who who added to this movie. Um, the reason there are horses in the movie, apparently uh, the first few drafts of the script didn't have any horses. And when they brought in uh, people from the Comanche Nation to be part of the production, they're like, where are the horses? <laughs> like at this point, at this time on these planes, our people were nomadic and they had horses. It's mm -hmm. very important. So, oh, okay. So they put in horses. And that's just one example of the richness, the texture, the the accuracy that the the film strive for. So, and another one, of course, is is you know having the dub. So, mm -hmm. um, and I also they, they, they wanted, did it right. It did it right. I wanted to also shout out Dane uh, DeLogero, who played the predator in this. I thought did a great job. It has to be so daunting to be in all of that gear and still give mm. like a really great performance. And I thought all of the physicality of the character for me was there from the original in that way, but also giving it, yeah. I think, a little bit of that modern flair. You can tell makeup has gotten, uh, makeup and costuming has probably gotten a little bit easier for movement for sure. Um, but yeah, what a fun, a fun performance. And I thought did a, an incredible job of giving that creature such menacing physicality. And, but also, I think accurately portraying, you can see when it's hurt, which I think is like, yeah. a fun nuance to provide in that performance if you're going to have to be covered in a lot of stuff. Like the moment when it's like healing itself and it's like, oh shit, like this is harder than I thought it was going to be, you know, like you kind of get that vibe. And I thought that was really great. Yeah. And, and again, the the scenes of the Predator healing itself are just staples of the franchise and it, this movie didn't, didn't skip on that. And yeah, the performance of the physical performance of the Predator actors Awesome. So acrobatic, so intense. And I love the design of this Predator. It's 17, 19, so he doesn't – obviously, he's a part of an advanced race that travels the stars, but he doesn't have – like in some of the other Predator movies, the Predator is just almost a robot, just decked yeah. out in all this tech. And the tech is pretty light here. Uh, his, his helmet is a skull, which is just a great visual. He has like a loincloth, you know, it's not, mm -hmm. he's not wearing all this, all this armor and it just makes it more tactile uh, and, and more true to what it would be, I guess. So yeah, it just I was looks like, that great. Must have, 
must have been a really fun production, like thought process to be like, okay, so how many years in the past is this for this particular Mm -hmm. species of alien? And how do you kind of get to their more primal roots of their civilization? What does that look like for them? Like I loved the shield design that had like a lot of those intricate carvings on it. And it almost felt like a, a, a bit of an homage to, I think, a lot of the like artifacts that, you know, we've seen of ancient Americans and and uh, indigenous Americans. And there's all of this like intricate art on some of these pieces. And you're like, what a wild thing to have to get to think about and to figure out in an art department, you know? Yeah, the production design had a good time with this one. Yeah. Um, also with, um, there's a there's a weapon here that is storied throughout the franchise, the, the, the French gun at the end. Mm-hmm. That is given to Naru, and then she she has it with her at the end. That to me was great because a lot of these a lot of these uh, legacy sequels or prequels that come out decades after the original movie, a lot of them will overtly or or in a subtle way try to erase the other movies and be like, mm. no, w- what we're doing is better. So forget right, right. about all those other ones. This one doesn't do that. It it literally connects itself to the franchise. In a number of ways, but also with the appearance of that gun, which isn't even in the original movie. It's in Predator Two, which mm-hmm. is a dumb movie. Like, if you're, <laughs> you're gonna, like, oh. if you're gonna, if you're gonna erase any of them, erase Predator Two and beyond. But they don't. They're like, yeah, they, you know, we're still connected to this. This is mm-hmm. all part of the same franchise. Where we're taking it all in. We're grabbing the best from each, and and here we go. So, you know, yeah. That that's the way you do it. It's super smart. It kind of it reminds me a little bit. Are you watching the new um, True Detective series? Yeah. If if, it's good. if you want to talk about it when it's over, I would love to come back and talk about it because I think it is doing for True Detective what this movie did for Predator. Yes, it's making me like the series again. Yeah, and it's better. And it's like <laughs> smart nods yeah. to the original yeah, season. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. This is how you do it, man. Hopefully we see this trend ongoing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay, anything else to say about Prey? I don't think so. I'm excited to see what Dan Trachtenberg does with this. I saw he's um, apparently developing a, a TV adaptation for Waterworld, which I am like, right. ooh, talk about a cursed movie. I'm excited to see what you do with that. <laughs> so... Yeah, and I see, you know, um, Amber Mid Thunder is in the new Avatar movie, so I'm I'm excited mm-hmm. to see what else she does. Because yeah, to your to your point, I thought she she truly is basically the only character we get to watch from beginning to end, and is alone for a lot of this movie, and is so compelling, and is is really great to watch on screen. So I'm excited to see what spurs off of this movie for all the people involved. Yeah, me too, and love the director, love the writing, love. Mid Thunder, but I really love the character of Naru as well. Mm-hmm. So even if we get another movie with that character, it's not something completely different. You know, I, I'm yeah. here for it because totally. that character is so compelling and, and cool to watch. So yeah. All right, Mariah, thanks for joining me again on Essential Sci Fi Movies. Where can we find you on the internet? Yeah, I'm uh, all over the internet at Mariah Gossett. It's Mariah with a Y, Gossett with two S's and two T's. And you can hear me talk about Star Trek over on Star Trek Discovery Pod. We're currently doing a rewatch of 
the first few seasons of Star Trek Discovery in preparation for its final season coming in April. So come on over. Yeah, listen to that. Watch that. The best Star Trek podcast on the internet. And you can find me at Mike Moody Garcia on Insta and Threads. Find the pod at Intergalactic Pod on Insta and Threads. Uh, sub to the pod everywhere. Uh, just find all those links at intergalacticpod.co. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>